there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another episode of t for c If you're interested in learning more about the music and entertainment industry, then, oh boy, are you in for a treat. This is the episode for you. Because my next guest is an entertainment industry executive who heads up the Miami office for Creative Artists Agency, also known as CAA, which is one of the leading entertainment and sports agencies in the world. But before I introduce you to Bruno Del Granado, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's T4C's weekly newsletter that comes out on Mondays to give you an exclusive window into the episodes and the professions that we're going to be featuring that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org and the sign up box is right there. Now my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Bruno Del Granado, an entertainment industry executive with over 25 years of experience in the music, broadcasting and film production world. He's currently the head of CAA's Miami office, and their clients include Gloria Estefan, Louise Fonsi, Ricky Martin, and Maluma. Bruno joined CAA in 2014 from RM Entertainment Group, which he formed 10 years earlier back in 2004 in partnership with Latin superstar Ricky Martin. And as part of their arrangement, Bruno was also responsible for handling and managing and creating all of Ricky's endeavors outside the U.S. Previously, Bruno had founded Entertainment Media Factory in 1997. It's a music, television, and film production and programming company that specialized in content for Latin America, Europe, and Asia. And prior to EMS... Bruno founded and managed the Latin music division of Madonna, that's right, Madonna's Maverick Recording Company. It's a joint venture with Warner Music Group. Bruno actually started his career working at CBS Records. Back then, he was working in marketing and eventually talent development. And today, in addition to heading CAA's Miami office, he's also an on-air pop culture contributor on ABC News and CNN, and he's a guest lecturer on the Miami business and TV industry at the University of Miami. Bruno, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you still caffeinated on your double espresso and ready to go? I, I Andrea, I am ready to go. That double, two double espressos today. Oh, espresso. I am a coffee Java junkie, but to the nth degree. Oh my gosh! So you obviously are making them at home now because we're in <laughs> yes. the middle of the coronavirus. Yes, now it's at home, which saves me a lot of money. Yeah, I used to love when I lived in Miami. 
the Café mm-hmm. Con Leche. And yes. Yeah, they're like, oh my God. Like, we, we call it rocket fuel. Yeah, it is rocket fuel. T- it's a tiny thimble of rocket fuel. You have one of those and you're bouncing off the walls. Yeah, and it's not, have- it's not just from the coffee. It's also the sugar. The sugar. It's more the sugar than the coffee, Andre. Yeah. It's delicious though. Yeah, I'll, love, I'll take that any day. That, love, yeah, love, that. love. Yeah. So you've obviously been in this industry for a while and you've seen people come and go and all of that. What is it like being an agent for some of the biggest names in music? Well, my day begins really early, especially now that I work from home. You know, I'm up by seven and I'm checking emails usually from Europe because we have the, the thing about Latin music, Latin culture now, it's gone global. So I have interest in Europe, in Asia, and the Far East for our clients. So first thing in the morning is check the emails that have arrived overnight from Europe or the Middle East or, or the Far East. Deal with that and then start dealing with New York by 9 a.m. And then by noon, you deal with L.A. And of course, in between, you get text messages or WhatsApp messages from clients asking about where are the opportunities. Whereas before, you could plan a tour for a music artist and and then put together a year-long tour for them to do arenas across the world. Now it's kind of like, okay, can you get me on a TV show? Can we do a book deal? Can we do a stream? Can we do a drive-in concert? So there are all these other opportunities now. It's not the gold rush that we had couple months up until a couple months ago, but it really is a river of nickels, dimes, quarters, and everything else that we will have to deal with until things kind of settle down and, and we have a vaccine and people are allowed to congregate and we're going to be able to organize festivals and arena shows and all that. So the day starts early. It runs late because there's no real break now. We are an LA-based company, so LA is five o'clock, three hours behind us here in Miami. So eight o'clock in Miami, it's still five o'clock in LA. So you're answering emails till like maybe nine, ten, eleven p.m. So that line is pretty blurred now, where you kind of go to work, then go to lunch, and come home or go to a dinner or whatever. That's kind of out the window now. But at the same time, Andrea, I feel blessed though. Like I said, we're busy. We're moving a lot of things around to next year. And we have jobs. I mean, the unemployment numbers are scary right now, in, not only in the U.S., but globally. Mm. So I think we have to feel blessed and we have to feel grateful that we have jobs and that we're just constantly being bombarded with different things. You know, when the phone doesn't ring, that's when you have to start worrying and complaining and everything else. Absolutely. So you mentioned you you were talking about things like drive-by, whatever. What are some of the, the new <clears throat> platforms or ways mm-hmm. that you're helping your artists to reach the consumer now? How are you having to be creative because you can't do the stadium shows? Mm -hmm. Well, what's happened is drive-in concert concepts started in Europe a couple weeks ago. So it's basically, I don't know if you've seen this, so you basically put together a concert at an old drive-in or an open field and you basically do what used to happen, you know, drive-in concerts where people drive up They'll pay whatever they pay, and then they listen to the artist either live on stage or a video screen. And that's starting to take off where you go to a drive-in or something that's been created to look like a drive-in, and you drive in your car and you stay in your car. It might be you alone or you and three other friends or whatever. That's starting to really take off, the drive-in concert concept. Okay. Uh, People are very resourceful. I think a crisis brings out the best in people, and that's when – they become really resourceful. The other thing that we're seeing is the streaming. 
So artists from home stream concerts or acoustic shows or intimate shows and people like that. And you're finding ways to monetize that. Oh, you want to see your favorite artist, whether it's, I don't know, Coldplay or whatever. You have to pay $5 to get this intimate stream of a concert and behind the scenes and footage that's only exclusive to people who pay $5 or whatever it is. That's another form of generating revenue until the arena shows come back. Then the other thing is we have a lot of clients who are multi-hyphenates. So that means they're, they're not only great music artists, but they also are very talented actors and actresses. So now we're in the process of getting them acting jobs while they wait till the music business kind of comes back. So we just have to be very resourceful. There are other, other clients who we're trying to get book deals for. So trying to keep them occupied, trying to keep them generating income, that's what our job consists of now. It's not the all right, so let me book a year-long tour that will take you across the world and have you generate a lot of money. It's different now, but I think this is going to help us move forward tremendously when things kind of go back. The complacency that had set and the mindset that had completely like taken over, not only the U.S., but the world, I think we're really going to come out of this being a lot more resourceful and I think better humans about it as well. I hope so. So as I, I mentioned some of the clients that you have mm-hmm. in your CAA Miami office, Gloria Stefan, Luis Fonsi, mm-hmm. Ricky Martin, and Maloma. Mm-hmm. How many clients is your office managing? How big is your office? And how is it structured? As you know, the Latin business is based out of Miami now. Just like country music business is based in Nashville, Miami is basically the capital of Latin entertainment, not just music, but entertainment. You know, the big television networks, Univision, Mundo are here. Apple Latin America is here, Spotify Latin America is here, Facebook Latin America is here. So everybody's here when it comes to Latin entertainment, technology and everything. So our office here basically focuses on music and television primarily. But like I said, now I end up working with our book publishing folks in New York to do book publishing deals for our Latin clients. Some of our sports agents will call and say, hey, can we do something with your clients and our baseball clients or basketball clients, whatever it is. So we have... 15 clients signed directly here, but we end up working across the agency because that's the way the agency works. So if I may not work with a Latin client who signed out of LA, but they'll pull me into the meeting and say, hey, how can we help expand this client's footprint? So I end up getting involved on so many different non-Miami Latin projects as well, which is great because that's my background, get involved in the 360 of the artist's career. So it really is interesting for me in regards to staffing, We're pretty lean and mean in Miami because we tap into our New York, Nashville, and LA offices for a lot of the back office functions. We don't need business affairs, IT. We don't need any of that stuff, contracts, because LA, New York, Nashville do that, which gives us the freedom and liberty to be a lot more nimble. And obviously, as you know, Andrea, a headcount can kill an office or a company. So I I would rather keep that headcount as low as possible. So how many people are in the office? We have in Miami, we have three and then we have interns, of course. But in New York, we have several people who work on Latin. In Los Angeles, quite a few people work on Latin. So overall, there's probably about 20, 20 of us who work on Latin, maybe 20, 25 work on Latin. Got it. What does it take, Bruno, to be a really good and successful agent? Andrea, it's all about the passion. You really need to love what you do because this career, this line of work, this whatever you want to call it, it's not easy. And it chews you up and spits you up completely. 
You have to be consistent with who you are. You cannot be moody. You just got to be consistent with who you are as a person. You've got to be able to network because if you don't have the personality to network, Andrea, it's a losing battle because this business, entertainment business, it's all about who you know. In my case, it's been that. All of the jobs, when I look back and I look at my resume, I think, oh my God, I got this job because I met somebody. Of course, I was qualified for it. But even if you're qualified, many times you don't get the job, but it's who you know. So you have to be really good at networking. And like I've said, humility is key. Nothing should be beneath you. Nothing at all. It has to start from within. You got to be able to do whatever needs to be done in order Mm. to make it happen. And time management, because there's so much coming at you now. I've seen a lot of younger kids who kind of drown just because they're not able to manage their time wisely. Because there's way too much stuff coming at you, not, not only in the way of emails and text messages and, and WhatsApp and, and, and direct messages on Instagram, on, on Twitter. And now you have, of course, emails and you have phone calls. It's easy for you to drown. And then you got to do your job on top of that. So you got to be able to do an amazing act of managing your time. Yeah. And multitasking. Oh, multitasking. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. So give us some advice <laughs> on how to be a really good, authentic networker. What tips can you give our listeners? I will tell you what has worked for me, Andrea, is I am a good listener. So, in, and I'll give you a perfect example. If you tell me, Bruno, you need to meet with so-and-so, or you need to go to this event, I will do my research on who's going to be there. Let's hypothetically say it's a party that Apple Music has put together, right? So I'll do my research on who are the people at Apple, and I will make it a point to go up to them Forget being shy or being whatever you are. Go up to them and talk to them. I've always said, and I pride myself on, put me in a room with anybody, Andrea, from any part of the world, any other business. Give me five minutes and we will find something in common because that's humanity. I always, always end up doing that. I can meet with anybody and within the space of five minutes, we will have something in common. I don't know what it is right now, but we will. That's how you begin. And that's when I go to events and I go to showcases or I go to whatever these major shows, uh, entertainment shows. It's always about networking, but networking for the right reason, not because I need something from you. I need something from you. I just like to meet people and I like to to hear about their experiences, you know, and then everything else falls into place later on. So give us an example. Like let's just say you went to this Apple party, you did some research. I think half of it is knowing how to go up to somebody Because, and let me just say, holy cow, would we be the dynamic duo if we were at one of those parties together because I am also a good networker. (laughs) So, yes. So, I'm just imagine, let's paint the picture. It's crowded room. People are talking and we're like, "Ah, I think that's so-and-so. Or you ask somebody, where is Mm -hmm. so-and-so? Do you know who so-and-so is? And they're like, oh, yeah, he's over there talking to those three people. So, you wander over. You're standing there. Let's just say you don't know any of those people. Yeah, You're waiting for a break, for a way to catch that person's yeah. eye. And what, what do you say? And I usually I'll spend the first few minutes listening to what they're talking about, right? Without just jumping in. And then, like I said, I'll find something or something in common and I'll say, for example, wow, that was a very interesting comment you just made. By the way, my name is Bruno Del Granado. I work for CAA and I do this, this, and this. And then you kind of begin and then you listen. And it's all about listening more than speaking. Because people like that. And I want to say I'm a good listener because I learned to be a good listener. It's human nature to first want to talk, talk, talk about yourself. But it's taking a step back and being a listener. And that's how, when I think about my jobs at Maverick, at MTV, that's how they happened. Where I met somebody and then 
we started talking. The MTV job happened like that. I actually met the producers. There was a, a television show called MTV Internacional, an hour-long show in New York in the 80s that was broadcast on Telemundo. It was all Spanish-language videos. And when I was working at CBS Records, I remember at an event, I think it was at a conference in New York, I met the producer. And we were just talking. I said, what'd you do? And he said, you know, produce this little show called MTV International. I said, oh, yeah, I've seen it. I saw it. And I happened by coincidence to watch it the previous Saturday. I said, yeah, I watched it. And the video is really cool. And his eyes lit up. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy actually watches our little show. So then we exchanged numbers. And then three days later, he called and said, hey, can you help us get some music videos since you work for the big record company, CBS, Sony? Yeah, absolutely. Let me help you. And you go out of your way to try to help him without any hidden agenda, Andrea. Nothing at all. It's just to help, right? Fast forward to three years later, that same person is about to head up the MTV Latin launch of this network in Miami. And they remember, hey, that guy, Bruno, is really good. He speaks the language. He's a good guy. Let's call him up and see if he'd be interested in, in joining us. Never in a million years did I ever think I was going to work for MTV. But that's how it happened. So I don't go in with a hidden agenda. I just go into, I want to meet this person because there are fascinating people in this world if you just learn to listen. Definitely. Amazing advice. I just want to get your perspective on then how do you get their contact information? Because I think that can trip some people up in terms of not wanting to seem like vulture-like, but by the same token, you want to build a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So what I've done, what, what has worked for me. So you spend, let's say five, 10 minutes speak and you already know innately like what, what the vibes are. You think, okay, this person reacted positively. So you got to go with your vibe, with your flow, with that energy feel that we all have. Many times you're like, Hey, do you have a business card? And here's mine and you exchange and it's cool like that. Other times it doesn't happen like that. But what I'll do following day or whatever, I will find a way to write an email and say, Hey, it was great meeting you. It was very insightful. You know, here's my contact information. If you need anything, let me know. And you leave it at that. Nice. You know, very and that's nice. always worked for me. So you got to go by the vibes, Andrea. You know, that energy, that feel that we all have. What Dove said in one of your podcasts. Oh my God. Sympathetic Dove resonance. Karen. We Love all him. have that. We have that sympathetic resonance. So we all work on that oh, stuff. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You know? It is. It's like the so, tuning fork. Mm-hmm, you know, it absolutely. doesn't, a, a D doesn't vibrate unless there's another D tuning fork. So completely. And and in case you're one of those people that doesn't get energy, let me just describe bad energy to you. (laughs) When you, not to you, you you get this Bruno, (laughs) but to our (laughs) listeners, you know that person that you meet and you're like, maybe you're excited to talk to them and you go up and you chat and they give you nothing. They're like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Right. It's like you end up feeling drained. If you yeah. feel drained around that person, this is bad energy. Stay away yeah. if you can, unless, of course, they're in your family and then yeah. you're stuck with it. <laughs> okay. Just a little joke there to all the yes. people related to me. But anyway, so Bruno, for our young listeners who are still in college, what subjects or classes, the types of classes, do you recommend they study? You already said in the Espresso Shots interview that really their major doesn't matter. But what do you think they need to study in order to hone certain skills that you think will help them when they try to break into this industry? 
Well, if your love is television, as you well know better than I do, Andrea, broadcasting is, is still the, the degree to have. It's key if you want to be in broadcasting or television. Obviously, the music business is a lot more fluid, and you could be a philosopher. My focus was political science and business. I had no clue that there was an entertainment and music business because I, you know, coming from Spain, we, we didn't know about that. But it's really important, like I said, if you also want to eventually, once you once your foot's in the door, or I've actually seen it the other way around where a lot of lawyers and MBAs just don't like that they studied law or got the master's degree and are not happy with it because deep down inside they want to be with creatives and all work in that creative field and they'll switch over. So it really is very fluid. What really got me in here was communications. I took it as an elective. So when I came from Spain in the early 80s, I took a communications course and it was mostly to learn English better and work on my accent. And Andrea, things happen when they're supposed to happen. This is how I started in the entertainment industry here in the United States. So I took a communications course and it was about public speaking and, and grammar, accent reduction, and everything else. I happened to sit next to a girl who I became really close with and we started hanging out. And one day I said to her, you want to go have dinner or something? And she said, no, I got to go to the radio station. I'm like, radio station? What the hell is that? I mean, I knew what a radio station was, but I'm like, radio station here? And she goes, yeah, I work at the college station, WBUM. I'm like, what? She goes, you want to come and see it? I'm like, yeah, sure. So she takes me up to the, to the, the radio station. It's kind of like open sesame when you walk into a cave. It was probably 5,000 albums at that time. It was vinyl. It was like, I felt like Aladdin walks into the cave and sees all those riches of diamonds and everything. I'm like, oh my God, 5,000 vinyl albums. And I said, what do you do here? She said, I am a DJ. I'm like, what? What is that? She goes, I put records. College radio was free format. So you put whatever you want. It's not like you have to put the top 40 songs. So I just sat there watching her put records for three hours. I'm like, oh my God, you're like, it's amazing. After that, I said, how do you get a job like this? Do you get paid? She goes, oh, I get like 30 bucks a week. I'm like, I would do it. I would pay, I said, for that. She goes, oh, if you really want to do that, let me connect you with the program director. Program director says to me, yeah, we definitely need college students. You have a little bit of an accent. I'm going to put you at four in the morning. I didn't care, Andrea. I was like, I was on air playing the music I wanted to play, which at that time was Psychedelic Furs and Japan and The Cure and Duran Duran. Oh, all yeah. that stuff from the early 80s. I was putting all my music on. My friends would call from four to seven. I was loving that job so much that I didn't even go, like, I was afraid if I went to sleep at 10 p.m., I would not wake up at four. So I would stay up all night no. just to be on time at four in the morning to start my shift. It would finish at seven. And then I'd go home and maybe crash for two or three hours before I'd go back to school and do my classes. But that's how it started for me, by chance meeting at a communications class. And that, I can't even begin to tell you, in a nutshell, after I'd been at the radio station for a couple months, it was second floor of the student union, the newspaper, the college newspaper was across the hall, and so was the concert committee. So the, the editor of the newspaper would come in you know, once a week and say, hey, any good records that you guys have, we need reviews on them. And we said, yeah, this week, Peter Tosh or, you know, whatever, whoever released an album. And one time he said to me, hey, do you mind writing a review? Because our reviewer is sick. I'm like, I've never done this, but sure. That's the other thing about this business. Learn as you go along. If you want to do it, just learn. Don't say no, just learn as you go along. So I started writing album reviews. And then the guys next door from the concert committee would come in and say, what are the songs or the albums or the artists that you know students are requesting so we could look at possibly booking those acts here? And I'd give them a list. Of, you know, these are the ones. And they'd say, hey, do you want to help us book these shows? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I didn't know what, what it meant, but I absolutely right. And then at that time, 
there were college reps. Every record company had what they call college reps, college students who would basically service music, new releases, new albums to the radio stations. The guy from CBS Records would come in and he'd drop off the latest Psychedelic Furs or Bangles album or whatever. And one day I happened to be at the station when he was dropping them off because I was always doing the graveyard shift and he used to come in during the day. I happened to be there and I said, what do you do? He goes, well, you know, I'm, I'm a college for CBS Records. And I said, what, do, what is your job? He goes, well, my job is I get the records and I schedule interviews and I give program directors the music. I'm like, oh my God, that's fascinating. There's a record label. He explained to me what a record label was because that's how green I was. Right. And he was graduating. He goes, hey, do you want to apply for my job? That was how my career started. I never sent a resume, Andrea, until 15 years later. No By kidding. By a class, communications class, a girl who sat next to me who was a DJ at the station. That's why you got to listen to everybody. Everybody has something to contribute. Everybody just got to be open-minded. And it's not about what is my agenda? What is my agenda? What do I get from this person? That's how my career started. And it ran for, gosh, good 15 years until I decided I'm going to slow down and take, take something else. What an incredible story. And for me, there are at least two takeaways, probably more. And one is the networking that you were Mm -hmm. doing. You were networking Mm -hmm. with classmates. Mm -hmm. And that's what our young listeners should be doing right now. Mm -hmm. Those who are still in school. Mm -hmm. Networking doesn't have to be something that you're doing with somebody who's wearing a suit. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to get at. And the second thing is the importance of following your interests into extracurricular activities, Mm -hmm. because that is where Bruno was exposed to something that has become a lifelong love. Mm -hmm. It's become his career. He started as a graveyard shift DJ, but is a DJ who Uh. then moved into music and has been kind of zigging and zagging within the entertainment industry for the last 25 plus years. And Andrea, I got to tell you, I, coming from Spain, there's no entertainment business. My family's never been in the entertainment business. So for us, it was different language. We didn't know an entertainment business existed, right? So my career path was basically go to the States, get a degree in political science business. And my plan, if you would have asked me back then was, I'll go back to Spain. I'll probably go and work for NATO in, because Spain had just joined NATO in, in the early 80s. And I thought, I'll go to Brussels, where NATO's headquartered. I'll sp- I speak English. I got an education in the States. And they will need people who speak English and Spanish because NATO had, you know, Spain had just joined. I thought, that'll probably be my future. Work for some sort of organization. Or the other thing I thought, well, maybe I'll just apply for an MBA in London because I, I wanted to go to London School of Economics. But I didn't really know why. I just thought, I just want to get an MBA. But I didn't really have a plan for it. So life happened while I was busy making all these plans. And there's no regrets. When I look back, I think it happened the way it was supposed to happen. Because I don't think I would have been good to work at NATO or or the UN or any, you know, any of that. (laughs) You would have been. (laughs) I think you have the kind of work ethic, personality that you would have excelled no matter what you went into. Now, whether or not you would have been happy is another question. So just to be 
I guess, because usually I ask this question later in the interview, but I'll ask you now. When you were in college, you went to the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. you said, you majored in business administration yeah. with, yeah. I guess, a concentration in political science. Mm-hmm. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated, Bruno? I did not know when I was a soft, a freshman and a sophomore. It wasn't until I... Even with being a DJ, which was a graveyard shift or writing an album review here and there, I still didn't know. I thought, I'm going to have to take this degree and either do an MBA in London or take this and work for an NGO or maybe the government or something. I did not know. It wasn't until I met this student who was the college rep for CBS Records, and he connected me when he was graduating. And I interviewed with the folks in New York who headed a college department. It wasn't until I got that job that I said, "Uh uh-uh, this is it. I don't want to do anything else with my life except this. I learned what CBS Records was. It was part of this big CBS Inc., you know, Bill Paley and all that other stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, I just hit the gold mine. I don't want to do anything else with my life. This is what I want to do. And suddenly everything else that I thought about politics and everything that I'd studied, I thought, no, not, not interested. I actually thought, you know, I've been predestined for this because of the way it just happened. You know, radio station, college newspaper, concert committee, the internship at CBS. I'm like, oh my God. Obviously, I worked my tail off all that stuff, and I never said no to anybody. I always said, yeah, can you do a review? Yeah, I'll write a review. Oh, yeah, can you help? Yeah. So that was also, it taught me a big, big lesson that it's like, even if you don't know, learn along the way as long as you do it, but work harder than everybody else as you're learning. And like I said, once I discovered that there was an industry, a powerful recording industry, I thought, "Mm -mm, don't want to do anything else with my life. This is what I want to do. So your first job after you graduated, was it CBS, right? Yes, it was. So I never sent a resume. So they gave me the go count records and, and go make sure our artists are taken care of. And it's kind of like a gophery merchandising. It was one of those jobs. Where I remember one of the highlights of one of those years was the man who used to work radio promotion and service the music, the radio stations, was on vacation when Michael Jackson's Bad Album came out. So they said, Bruno, go run to the radio stations in Miami and go deliver the Michael Jackson single. Just deliver. Just, you go to the front desk and deliver. Drop her off. You don't have to do anything. Because that was part of your job as a whatever, you know, junior, lowly employee. It was like the mailroom kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. So I went and then lo and behold, Michael Jackson's coming out on the own. I think at two radio stations or camera crews. I'm like, ah, uh, what the hell are these camera crews doing here? It's like person delivering the Michael Jackson single. I'm like, ah, uh, what the heck is this? So I was doing all, whatever they would ask of me, I would do. And then they moved me to New York and, and I just put my blinders on. I thought, whatever it takes, I need to get to BlackRock. I need to work out of there and learn from the legends. And I got that really early on. I was learning professionally so much every single day. And then personally, because Manhattan's never been an easy city. But just like the song says, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. (laughs) And I was in Manhattan for five years. And to this day, my work ethic, apart from, you know, what my parents instilled in me, comes from Manhattan. It's the greatest thing that could have happened to me to work in Manhattan back then. Because, oh my God, Andrea, if you don't deliver when you say you're going to deliver and you don't keep your word in Manhattan... The city, the corporate culture will swallow you up in a heartbeat. I was just thinking that they'll eat you. They'll chew you up and spit you out. (laughs) I want to quickly go through just to give our listeners Mm -hmm. an idea of the chronology of your career. So Mm -hmm. we heard about Bruno working at CBS Records. He worked at Epic Sony Music, Mm -hmm. Capitol Records. And Mm -hmm. then you heard the story about how he became the vice president of music and talent Mm -hmm. at MTV Latin America. And then- 
what happened yeah. was after MTV. So I had spent by then, I believe, 13, 14 years just working, working, working. Like I said, thank God, knock on wood, never sending a resume, working my tail off and everything else. But it got to the point where I thought, you know what? I need to stop. Working for MTV back then was like saying working for Apple now or Google or Amazon. It's huge. MTV was the barometer of culture back in the late 90s globally. But I just wanted more. And one day I thought, you know what? I just, I think I'm just going to leave. Everybody's like, what? Are you kidding me? You can't leave MTV. Where are you going to go? I said, I don't have a job, but I just don't know what else. I, I don't know what else I can do here. And I've been working nonstop. I, I need to try something else. Well, you know, lo and behold, it's like I walked in, I resigned, left a month later in real good terms, in real good terms, because that's the other thing. Be careful who you deal with on your way up because you may be dealing with them on your way down. So I left in great terms around TV and later on I consulted with them on a couple projects. But I thought a month after I left, this was in summer of 97, Johnny Versace gets killed in Miami and the whole city goes into a funk because Johnny Versace was a resident of Miami Beach. A month after that, Princess Diana gets killed. I'm like, oh my God, it's, this is not 9-11 or even COVID thing. But it's like, if you lived in Miami in that, you know, that year, that period of 97, summer of 97, fall 97, it was dark and gloomy. You're like, oh my, and I'm thinking, holy crap, I just left an amazing job at MTV. What the hell did I do? Who do I send a resume to? I don't even know how to draft up a resume now. So I, I started thinking out of the box and I got the idea of this entertainment media factory thing. And I created this small entity, which is basically me. So I offered my services. I had contact globally because like I said, networking is key. A friend of mine in Spain was working for RTVE, which is a state-owned television broadcaster in Spain. And she said to me, I need you to come to Spain. You need to be here because we're going to launch a music video channel very much like MTV, but based in Spain. I thought, wow, my chance to go back to Madrid. I'm going to go. So I took that. But then I wanted other jobs because I didn't want to be a full-time employee. That's why I had left. MTV because I thought, I don't want to be a full-time employee now. Then I got EMI Publishing, the music publishing division of EMI Records. They hired me and they said, we need somebody like you to help us scout songwriters as we're growing our Latin division. I said, I can do it as a consultant. I won't do it as a full-time employee. They said, fine. So I started gathering three or four clients. And before I knew it, the following year, Andrea, I had doubled my salary from what I was making at MTV and I was doing what I really wanted to do, which is be in Spain, doing, you know, calling the shots myself and doing all these different projects with all these different clients. And I thought, oh my God, had I not left yes. MTV in that first month that I left MTV, I thought, Bruno, you have messed up your career. You are done. How could you have left MTV? I'm thinking to myself, because a lot of friends said, of course, How could you do this. How could you jump from MTV when you weren't pushed? MTV's the big kahuna and you're going out to do what? A year later, I was like, I looked at my tax stubs. I'm like, oh my God, having faith in your abilities and really focusing and putting those blinders on. Because once I started back and forth between Madrid and Miami and New York and Mexico City with my, because you, as you know, as a consultant, you're actually working harder and longer hours than you do as a staff employee because you're trying to please three or four clients and they all need you, you know, 24 hours a day. But I did so well. I was so, so happy. This entertainment media company that I started just started doing all these things. And, you know, we got approached to produce Christmas specials and, and these countdown shows and all that stuff. And it was just incredible. I was doing really, really well. To the point that when Maverick called, and, and this I've is always, Madonna's Madonna production exactly, company, exactly. Yeah. 
I've always really gone by my gut and really, really dig deep inside as to let me listen to my heart and see. When that, that happened, I thought, I can't let this go. Madonna, take away who Madonna is, iconic music, but what she did, as you know, there's a lot of sexism in this business, so much in the music business. The fact that Madonna is a woman and has been relevant for the last 35 years and had her own company and she's called the shots and she's basically been the boss of bosses. I thought I can learn, I can learn. And that was more the reason of me wanting to be part of Maverick because what can I learn from her? And I learned so much. I mean, to this day, the work ethic that she has or that she had when I was there, it blows me away. I'll give you a perfect example. She was recording a song in Spanish and they asked me to go just to kind of make sure the pronunciation was right. Well, the call time at the studio was 2 o'clock at the recording studio. I got there too thinking, you know, I've been with artists and they show up. Studios are usually booked for three, four, five days and they show up, you know, five hours later, six hours later because they're paying for it or the record company's paying for it. I show up at 2 o'clock. She was already there. She'd been there 10 minutes before because she said time is money. So that was one opportunity that I thought I can't, I can't let go. And, and the same with Ricky, by the way. When it comes to humility and empathy, the man wrote the book on that. And that's the one thing that I also learned from him because I thought the guy's worth millions and millions of dollars. He could be what kind of whatever kind of person he wants, but he's not. He is really humble about everything. He doesn't take anything for granted, which is an example for us to follow. For me personally, I thought a great example for me to follow. So that's how this whole thing is like coming full circle. And I, I think love that. it's meant to be. Yeah. Well, one thing has kind of flowed into the next. And I think the thread that we can pull on there is the fact that you came from Europe, that mm -hmm. you speak fluent Spanish, that you ended up being able to leverage your bilingual ability mm -hmm. to move in directions as the industry was becoming more globalized, mm -hmm. right? You were able mm -hmm. to ride that yeah. wave. How do you identify up-and-coming talent? Because I know that's a big thing for CAA. Mm -hmm. How do you discover mm -hmm. your talent? And for example, Colombian heartthrob mm -hmm. Maloma. Mm-hmm. So now you have, apart from the fact that they need to have talent, so they have, you know, Maluma's from Colombia. Dana Paola, who is on this Netflix series called Elite, number one series on Netflix, she's Mexican. So they build their own ecosystems in their countries. And then social media is key right now. Maluma has 51 million followers on Instagram. So you know there's 51 million people who just follow every move that he makes. And that's the way you market music nowadays. So social media is beyond important. It is a barometer now. It used to be back in the day, you'd go to an ad agency and you'd say, hey, I got this artist, we'd like to do a campaign. And they would say to you, how many number ones has he or she had or what's their track record with music? Now you go to an ad agency and they'll be like, okay, what are the social media numbers and what are their metrics? How many followers do they have? How many video views do they have? That's what is the currency of choice now. So is that how Maluma came to the attention of CAA? Yeah, yeah, part, yeah, yes. Obviously, the fact that he has talent and he started building his base down there. And then we realized, oh my God, this kid is not known outside Colombia and he's got 12 million followers on Instagram. There's something there. There's something there. And that's how it happens now with most of these apps. We have got to get Maloma to give Time for Coffee a shout out. Yeah. <laughs> because yes. his followers 
need to be listening to Time for Coffee. Yes. We have got to yes. expose them. This yes. is going to be we're going to we're going to plot, figure out how to do there that. There you go. <laughs> exactly. We so, have to do that. Two final questions for you, Bruno. As you know, one of the questions I try to ask all of my guests is if they could share a time in their professional life when they struggled, maybe even failed. I talk about the fact that I was fired twice in my 40s and how they ended up becoming incredible gifts for me. Very painful at the time, but incredible gifts that I'm so grateful for. But most importantly, Bruno, how you persevered, how you pushed through, and if there was a lesson that you think you learned in the process? Well, Andrea, it's what I said, which was when I decided I wanted to leave MTV, I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew my time was up. And once again, I go back to, I listened to my heart and I thought my time is up. I've done what I could here. Now it's going to get boring and it's going to be tedious to come in. So let me just resign and walk away before I get fired or I do something stupid. But to walk away without going to another job, Back again, this was the late 90s, and I thought, you know, I could conquer the world. To walk away without anything, no severance, no nothing. And I thought, what the hell did I do? I was on such a roll, not ever having to send resumes. And I was bouncing from company to company, you know, building the resume. I am totally screwed. But deep down inside, this voice said, you have always wanted to produce television on your own. You've always wanted to work in Spain. So I, I put this list together. What do I want to do? So I was like, okay produce television on your own. I want to try to go back to work in Spain. I never worked in Spain. I came to study and I stayed here and I would go back to Spain for the summers and Christmas and whatever, but I never worked. So I put my little list of bucket list of what to do. And that was what drove me every day. I ended up producing a, a soccer show for the World Cup of France 98. I went to France to shoot the show. I mean, I'm a passionate lover of soccer. It's like a dream come true to be able to shoot in France you know, for the World Cup, a 13-episode series that we sold all over Latin America, to be able to work in Spain and suddenly have all these clients. That was something that needed to happen. But had I listened to other people a month into being away from my job at MTV, I almost called them and said, listen, I changed my mind. Can you take me back? Maybe they would. Maybe they wouldn't have. Probably, I guess they would because I left in good terms, but I would not be where I'm at now. I always compare it to like when the mama bird kicks the little bird off the nest and that little bird better spread his or her wings and fly. If not, they're going to splat down on the ground. It was the same thing. I kind of kicked myself out of that nest. And it was like, oh boy, you better spread your wings and fly right now. If not, you're going to hit the sidewalk and you're going to be roadkill. And that's what happened. But it was listening to you to my heart as, as, as cheesy and tacky as, and, and zen as it may sound. It was like, okay, Bruno, you did the right thing. You just follow your dream. You are going to do what you wanted to do and it'll happen for you. And just put your notes in the ground and make it happen. And it did. It really did. And like I said, there was a before moment and an after moment in my career. And that was it. 1997 was it. Oh my gosh. What a great story. And I think it's really important to underscore the fact that you were afraid, but that didn't deter you. You did it even though you were afraid. Mm -hmm. I have been afraid, and I don't mean like the way I was afraid when I bungee jumped twice where my legs mm -hmm. are shaking, mm -hmm. <laughs> but more like that nervous energy, like, whoa, what did I just do? And, yeah. you know, yeah. oh, this is every time I've moved into a different career. And that's how you grow. That is really yeah. 
one of the only ways you grow. It's like drinking from a fire hose and you are yeah. going to level up your superpowers in a way mm -hmm. that rocks your world. And I mean it. Yeah. You're going to be afraid and you're going to do it anyway. Yes. Yeah. You know, Ian Bremmer, who I'm a huge fan of, and, and in your podcast, when you interviewed him, basically said the same thing, how he came up with Eurasia. You know, he knew he had to make it happen. There are bigger players out there, but he just had the conviction, wherewithal. And God, I love, love what he does with the Eurasia Group. And maybe if that would have existed when I was graduating from college, that would have been probably my path. But that's exactly what he did. Yeah. So you better have the conviction and belief in yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, Andrea, don't expect anybody else to believe in you. A hundred percent. And P.S., as you know, but our listeners may not, Ian Bremmer graduated with a PhD in political science and was trying to sell big Wall Street firms on the mm -hmm. idea of political risk consulting. Mm -hmm. It didn't exist. But Ian saw that. He saw a gap and he saw mm -hmm. value. And these captains of industry were all saying to him, that's really nice, but we don't have that function here in our mm -hmm. in our company. And he said, well, if it existed, would you hire me as a consultant? And they're like, mm -hmm. yeah, sure. Why not? And so he pioneered political risk consulting. And that yeah. is I'm so glad you brought that up, Bruno, because that's yeah. yet another example of someone Ian grew up his father passed away when he was young. His mother raised him and his sister. He didn't come from money. So it's not like he could fall back mm -hmm. on his mm -hmm. family to support him. He took a big risk and he called it the Eurasia Group, he said, because mm -hmm. calling it the Eurasia guy wouldn't have been like mm -hmm. instilling confidence, right? Yes. In your future yes. clients. Like, oh exactly. man, I guess we're just hiring this one dude to like do all this work. But exactly. anyway, it's like, you can make it happen. Believe in <clears throat> yourselves. Mm -hmm. Final question, Bruno. If you could go back to the University of Miami and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom you have now, what advice would you give yourself? Andrea, I hate to sound really cheesy here, but I would just say slow it down. Slow it down and enjoy the ride. What happened to me when I discovered DJing and the newspaper and the concert committee and all that stuff, and then, of course, the record company internship, I wanted to get out of school ASAP. I knew I had to graduate. There was no, no, you know, my parents gave me no option. I had to graduate, but I just wanted to be done with school and start my life. And I look back and I think there were two or three summers where every summer when school finished, I would go to Mallorca and spend the whole summer there for three months, for three months. And I just couldn't wait to get back to the States to get on with work. I couldn't wait. And I think, oh my God, there were two summers or three that I just was obsessed with getting back to the States. And I didn't really enjoy every single day over in Mallorca. And I think back, I've never had since that time three months in Mallorca again. It's two weeks here, one week there, three days here, you know, maybe three and a half weeks, but it's never been the three carefree months of don't focus on anything except having a great time every day in the summer in Mallorca, which is paradise. That would be if Bruno today could tell that Bruno 30 something years ago, relax, it'll happen when it has to happen. Enjoy your summer, enjoy your weekends, enjoy all that stuff because you will never get it again. And it's true. Once the day is done, it never comes back. Right now, I could never go back 
even if I wanted to spend three months in Mallorca, because I'm in a different frame of mind now. Your mind is just different when you're, you're in your 50s and everything else. That would be the one thing I would say. Just stop and smell the roses. You know, like Ferris Bueller said, you know, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And that's the one piece of advice I would give any student. Because I know we're all anxious to get going with our life. We're all anxious, but slow it down. There'll be, there'll be time for all of that. Yes. Enjoy where you are right now. Mm-hmm. Just as Absolutely. Bruno and I are trying to enjoy and just be mindful of where we are in our lives. Because every period of your life has special qualities mm-hmm. to it and things that you can really appreciate in addition to the challenges. So focus on positive, focus on Mm -hmm. where you are and appreciate the fact that Mm -hmm. you get summers off. If you do, if you do, some of, some of our listeners of course are working during the summers, but for those of you who don't, Smell the coffee. Step back and smell the coffee. Smell the coffee. (laughs) Bruno, I want to thank you so much for making time for two double espressos with me and the T4C community and for your beautiful spirit and energy and honesty, candor, and humility. Thank you so much, Andrea. It's been such an honor. And I really, I just, I got to tell you, it's been so much fun. And I, anything I can do, and one of the reasons why I love going to the University of Miami and speaking to the students is because if I got the shot to do it, not being an American, I want to be able to pass it on and pay it forward. So when I found out about your podcast and the audience, I thought I have to be able to do something and pass on whatever little wisdom I have to somebody else because it's all about paying it forward. That's all it, what we're, our purpose in life is to do that. Yes. Pay it forward. Oh my gosh. Well, you have done that in spades and you, you are just such a lovely human being and CAA is so fortunate to have you on their team. I just, Thank I you, wish Andrea. you good health continued success. And hey, any cool music trends that you want to flag for us right now? In, well, in I got to tell music? you, in, in Latin, Latin just keeps getting bigger and bigger globally. Right now, my she's not a client of mine, but I would say Rosalia, flamenco singer from Spain. You got to check her out. She's not a client, but I'm just a huge fan because I'm still a music nut. I still am a music junkie and a Java junkie. So Rosalia would be the one I'd recommend you to check it out, especially if, you, if you've been to Spain or you like Spanish culture. Andrea, I think you'll like it. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.